Thanks again for tuning in to Revolutionary Lumpen Radio in this episode titled Legalise All Drugs. This can be somewhat controversial to a lot of people out there. I've mentioned it, you know, online spaces, telling people that I'm going to do in this episode and people are just telling me, you know, obvious shit like drugs are bad, you know, drugs kill drugs harm working class people and things like that but obviously online you can't type to a hundred different people you know all paragraphs of what they need to know that's why a podcast is good so hopefully you go away from this episode and you hold this belief yourself that drugs should be decriminalized and you'll also understand why as well as recognize that there's successful examples of decriminalized drug policies in other nations and we'll talk about that Drugs are menacing our society. They're threatening our values and undercutting our institutions. They're killing our children. From the beginning of our administration, we've taken strong steps to do something about this horror. Our spending for drug law enforcement will have more than tripled from its 1981 levels. Shortages of marijuana are now being reported. Sit down, son. What? I think you and I need to have a little chat. What about? Drugs. Drugs are illegal. Talking about them isn't. So talk to Frank. The bottom line is stay away from drugs. But do it because you care about yourself. There's something out there. It's after kids everywhere. It entices them, confuses them, and can even kill them. That's right. Drugs. It's a bloody shame. Take it from me. The only way to stop abusing drugs is to stop using them. I really want to let kids know that illegal drugs are bad news. Yes, David, it's true. Did you know that marijuana can affect a person's physical and sexual growth? Yes, that's quite accurate. In a laboratory test, female animals treated with the active component in marijuana experienced a 44% death rate among their offspring. That's hashish for you. Weeds, marijuana, and cocaine. I wonder things have been going missing around here. She's hunting her habit. Next thing we know, she'll be locked up or dead. Drugs are every parent's worst nightmare. If they're yours, talk to Frank. I get angry just thinking about it, it makes me mad. Little kids doing drugs, it turns my stomach. That stuff hurts. It stops you from living up to your potential. It holds you back. It hurts the user. It hurts his family. And it hurts his friends. I just want to shake some sense into you kids that are using drugs and thinking about using So remember, don't or else. There's loads of reasons why we're going to do an episode called Legalise All Drugs and why it's important. It's important to me personally. I think that it is important to the class struggle. It's important in order to alleviate many addictions people have with drugs and then bring them into the class struggle. You know, there's a lot of drug dealers out there. If they don't have to deal drugs, or at least that option is taken away from them, they might be forced to become working class and then be wage slaves, or they might simply just have more free time in order to engage in Marxist theory. They can't do that at the moment because they've got to pick up the phone every two minutes to go and serve some punter. It's as simple as that. They don't have the time to read theory and we're out here trying to free up the lumpen from shitty lives in which they're ultimately going to end up in jail. And jail itself is a completely different episode. Just 
some trivia <laughs> behind this episode. Do you remember, Ryan, when I said... Because I was thinking, I was like, why the fuck is weed still legal? Like, have you known again? It just occurs to you, like, this is still illegal. Like, why is weed still illegal? It's decriminalised where I am, in my county. I don't know about you. What? Dude, did you not know this? No. There were, like, four counties in the UK that just completely said fuck you to the drug laws. What? Dude, I can't get if over you go- that. Wait, if I told people where I live before? Whatever. If you go to my county's Facebook page, there are police officers posing thumbs up with uh, weed plants. You're allowed to grow own for personal use here. What the fuck? <laughs> you can grow for personal use here. It's not illegal. Oh, my days. You're allowed two plants maximum. That's it. And the police won't, they won't do nothing. They won't arrest you. They won't fine you. They won't do nothing. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know that, lad. When, when did that happen? Um, man, it was a couple years. Hang on, let me, let me pull up the news article for you. I'm going to, like... You best have two, <laughs> two big plants in yours. I, I don't. I don't have any. <laughs> but, but like I said, like, I buy from the guy that grows his own. That's what I'm saying. That's why, because he can. Oh, my God. Oh, that's blown my mind. I'm literally just, like, sending you the uh, article now. Oh, my God. Now, you know what? Yeah, it's something about, like, some busy popping up saying this is a waste of our time, our resources, arresting kids with weed. People need to get a grip. Um, I, I remember reading an article about that in the past, but I don't think that he actually stuck up with it or it's actually spread to the counties. This article I sent you, that's from, like, that's from 2015. So I don't live in Derbyshire or Durham, but that's that's the two counties that this article is about. But my county followed on after this, right? So I'm not going to give you the county, right? But it's not Derbyshire, it's not Durham, but my county followed Derbyshire and Durham, and um, yeah, they don't they don't arrest or anything for it no more, even small scale growers. This is like talking about the policy that's not intended as a free for all. They say that it's still legal if you were to light up a joint in front of a policeman or go into a yep. police station and tell him you've got a 10 bag you'd still be arrested and they said the idea is discretion. Don't piss off your neighbours. So I mean that's just capitalist bourgeois morality all over isn't it? Where it's like it's only a crime if you get caught. Kind of. I mean even, so my county's like a little bit different from these two because it might be like that in these two counties, Derbyshire and Durham but in mine it's not like there's literally like pictures of police in grow farms like thumbs up like double thumbs up with pot plants all around them like they don't like it they don't they actually just don't give a shit here yeah I mean it's totally the personal prerogative of yeah the the pig isn't it i mean either way what happened was I said to you on discord I was like we've got to do an episode to legalize weed and then you you type back to me legalize all drugs yeah i mean that's just obvious to me and then i just said to you like i was like are you fucking a madman or what i was like don't you realize like the damage of like heroin but has on people you know people overdose all the time and that and then you, you like type back to me like me thinking i'm being all like moral and then caring about the hard drugs and the damage to hard drugs on people and you just responded back to me can you remember what you said uh, i don't think so not like word for word you just <laughs> you just said to me you've got bourgeois morality <laughs> and i, and I uh-huh. just stared at the message i was like this motherfucker, like, I'll go down there and head kick this motherfucker. I was like, I can't believe you just said I've got bourgeois morality. And I was like, <laughs> let me go back to the book. I'll just search it now. Here's the thing, though, like, 
honestly, like, all drug legalization is the most common sense position to me ever. Like, it's weird when I hear people still say that, because, like, it's so, like, I don't get that position at all. To me, it's so strange that anyone could arrive at that position. Like, if you understood, like the history of drug legalization from our Harry Anslinger, right? The first drugs are in the United States all the way through to today. They literally admitted like they couldn't make being black illegal, but they knew that they could target the black communities because obviously, you know, Reagan, right? They could, but they could do it by targeting, um, uh, cannabis use and heroin use. And that was a way to target the black communities without actually going after them because of the color of their skin, right? So when you understand this, you, at this point, you're like, oh, so these laws were, are literally a weapon, right? They're literally used to target certain communities politically. It's a political war that's being waged, right? And then when you understand that, if you argue for them to remain legal, you are siding with the government on the justification to over-police certain communities, right? Triple certain communities, uh, and not to mention, like, economically, the reason people like El Chapo got so rich and so famous and so powerful is because drugs were illegal, right? Making something illegal doesn't stop it. It doesn't make it disappear. What it does is it pushes it underground into the hands of groups that get together and end up being people like the mafia, right? Because if you don't feel that demand, if the government doesn't feel that demand, someone will, because the supply is not going anywhere, right? People still want grass to smoke. They're going to always be out there. And it's not a question of, oh, is it right or wrong? It's just, who's going to sell it to me? And that's how you get people like the mafia, right? Mm. So at this point, you realize, okay, law. these laws are creating crime, definitionally, right? These laws are making crime, very simple. And at that point, you understand that, okay, then they all have to go. It's not hard. It's not an even, it's not even a radical position. That's why it's so strange to me when people still argue for the, any of this stuff to be illegal. It makes no sense to me at all. Like, I don't know how you can arrive at that position. It's just so alien to me. I've like never understood that. Yeah. I mean, you said something similar in the reply, but you never just said you've got bourgeois morality. What you actually said was <laughs> more insulting. You said, why would you simp for bourgeois morality? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how I see it. It's like... Drugs being illegal is bourgeois morality. Yeah. You said it's an attack on the proles and yeah. the lumpen because the, all bourgeoisie have have drugs. Yeah. And of course, you look at the Wolf of Wall Street, everybody's yeah. sniffing Lemo. Yep. You know, on all these films with all these up, you know rich people, they're all, they've always got drugs about them. Of course. Obviously. But the question becomes, who do the police stop? Right? Do you see the police mm. like throwing up members of Wall Street and frisking them up against building? Of course not. Right? So it's a it's a weapon. They're being used as political yeah. weapons to target certain communities. And when you understand that, there's no logical reason for you to end at the conclusion of they should all stay illegal. No, this doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's just look at it from that point that you said the. All bourgeoisie of drugs. Well, Jeremy Corbyn's son literally owns like a weed business. You know, he might not sell it as like THC, but you know, he's got bear crop and he's making a fortune selling weed plants, you know, in, in any form. But I can't do that. You can't do that. Nobody can, no pro can do that. But obviously, his dad's fucking Jeremy Corbyn and he can just bend a law or make laws up or argue for laws for his son to make a fucking fortune. And obviously, his son thinks, thinks he's a 
fucking gangster because he's selling weed and he's just a fucking chode. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, good points. Good start to that. So, are drugs new? The drugs just suddenly appeared over the last 40 years or have they been here over the last 40,000 years? No, yeah, they've been here forever. Yeah, so have you ever heard of, like, the history of drug use in earlier human civilizations before capitalism? Yeah. Um, obviously, a lot of it's speculation. A lot of it, you know, is, you know, is circumstantial evidence, such as magic mushrooms being around sites, such as Stonehenge and other monuments, such as, like, in, I- in Ireland, apparently, and, and other places, you know, where it's said that there was magic mushrooms around some of the earlier sites for... Um, you know, human handprinting on cave walls when we lived in fucking caves. You know, it's insane. You know, we we know about ayahuasca and, you know, tribes in the Amazon. There always seems to be a trend with deeply important spiritual religious practices with the use of psychoactive substances in order to shift um, our consciousness into something that maybe the brain doesn't have control over so that we can see a world differently. You know, have you ever heard of that kind of thing? Do you think that that bears any relevance? Can you see that actually being true? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely true. Listen, drugs are just chemicals. They're just plants that have grown forever, right? So as long as they've been there, we've been here, right? I mean, we all, you know, evolved from these, you know, not obviously not from weed plants, obviously, but... Mm. You know, they've been around as long as we've been around. They're just another plant that grows the same as any other plant, essentially. Like, I mean, people don't actually realize how recent drug laws actually are. Like I said, you know, Harry Anslinger. But before that, they used to give all these chemicals now that we would consider illegal. They were medicines. Like, you could go to the doctor and get these things in concoctions, right? There's that famous picture going around of, like, it's like a bottle of something, and when you look in the ingredients, it's like chloroform, alcohol, cannabis. And that was like a mixture that they had. And if you, you know, you were ill or whatever, they would just give you some of that, right? I mean, before the days of um, injectable anesthetic and dentists, they literally used to just get cocaine and just rub it on your gums. And that, and that was what they used as an anesthetic before they did like fillings or dental work or whatever, right? Like, people don't understand how recent drug laws are and that we've used these things for hundreds of thousands of years before there were ever laws against them so it's actually the laws against them that are like unnatural or you know out of ordinary and new most definitely and some of those reasons for what you stated it's about going into communities with a different class ethnicity you know certain genders um, and being able to penalise them, punish them, you know, spy on them and just basically give an excuse to disrupt their peace um, and, and solitude as well as continue to repress them so that they continue to, to be reminded that if they're not a good citizen, they're just going to end up in a cage one day. So, I mean, Red was you wanted me to raise a point from... Left book, I'm just saying about, you know, it's often intertwined with the oppression of the groups in society who most often use these substances. They said, I hardly ever hear somebody call for the illegalization of Dom Perignon champagne or Davidoff cigars. But going back to what you just said about all drugs are just chemicals, compounds, I mean, obviously, 
the word drug is just a word you know what encompasses a drug sugar is a drug you know coffee is a drug but you know you look at these completely differently and and that's because of this common sense understanding and this bourgeois morality around um you know certain things like opioids weed sure. you know everything else let's just go on to what's setting this bourgeois morality in people's minds where people are being simps for these um, bourgeoisie. Yeah, for sure. So let's just go in towards what the law says on drugs. You, you might know more about the US, but I'm going to talk specifically about the UK law. There's penalties for drugs. You can get a fine or a prison sentence if you take drugs, carry drugs, make drugs, sell, deal or share drugs. In the UK, drugs come in three different classes. They come in class A, class B, class C. Class C is like, you know, steroids, benzamines, diazepam, and a few things that I can't pronounce. And for them, for possession of like steroids and that, you can get up to two years in prison and unlimited fine. Or you can get up to 14 years in prison and unlimited fine or both for distributing and selling them. Class B, you have amphetamines, barbiturates, cannabis, weed is a class B substance, codeine, ketamine. So you can get up to five years in prison and unlimited fine or both for, you know, having weed, codeine, ketamine. You can have up to 14 years in prison. That's if you supply them. Class A, you'd have crack cocaine, cocaine, ecstasy, which is surprising as a Class A, but I guess that that's because of how many, you know, deaths um, happen to people who take ecstasy. I've been out one time and somebody's actually died, like, in the toilets um, of a club. Mad. Heroin, LSD, magic mushrooms is a Class A drug that can give you up to seven like so magic mushrooms and crystal meth is in the same category class a up to seven years in prison and a limited fine or both for possession them magic mushrooms is in the same fucking ballpark through crystal meth that these fucking boys honestly god blows my mind and you can get up to life in prison for having magic mushrooms <laughs> like for selling magic mushrooms that's a class a what the fuck and for psychoactive substance penalties, yeah, you know, things like laughing gas, if nobody knows what it is, like the, those little fucking silver canisters that you see and you, you, it's meant to be for, like, coffee machines, but you can just suck them out of the balloons and you get an insane fucking trip, but also absolutely... Nitrous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely just depletes your vitamin B and you're going to have, like, nerve damage. Um, defo and like there's people out there who who know people who have simply just lost the ability to walk sucking too much gas and he's woke up and he can't walk it's no bullshit there's a very real danger from drugs for health problems but that's not why they're illegal sure and that harm is increased by them being illegal because if they were legal you would either have a under unfortunately a capitalist system right all these things you would have to argue for them to be like sold in the same way you can just go to a shop and buy alcohol, right? So eventually, either you would have much greater education, so wouldn't people wouldn't be assholes, and obviously you'll still get some percent of people, right? There's no avoiding that, essentially. Or you get some kind of alternate or like alternative product that pops up on the marketplace that people like better so that it gets... So that one just disappears, right? It's the same by people when, when you always argue for like drug legalization people always bring up like the heroin and they'll say oh it's really bad okay but listen why 
is it really bad? It's because people don't know anything about it. They're not, no, they're not really taught about it. And because it's illegal, so you have to buy it potentially from some dude that you don't know that can do whatever to it, right? If it's legalized, you can bring the government in and regulate and control how it's grown so you know that it's not mixed with whatever, cut with whatever, laced with whatever, right? That way you know that you're getting something that's real and you can educate the people while they're there. You can hand out pamphlets or information or booklets or whatever, whatever, and you can tell them what's up and what to do and what not to do. And even there are places even in Scotland that are like, that have injection sites. So they literally give you, like, if you're addicted to something like heroin, and when you're undergoing treatment or whatever they give you like x amount a day and they just give it to you and obviously they have to watch you take it there there's an injection site with like a nurse and everything on on the step on board on staff and then you give the thing back and then you just go about your day right so that way they're controlling everything there as well they're making sure that it's administered correctly and that you know the needles are taken and gotten rid of not just like whatever, thrown on street corners, whatever, whatever, right? They're actually controlling the whole process to beginning to end so that you can actually make sure that people know what's going on and they know what's up and what to do and what not to do and that it's safe and that it's controlled and all that, right? That's like infinitely better than some dude somewhere getting something and they don't know what's in it and they don't, they just have to like find some needle somewhere from someone, you know what I mean? Like it's, there's clearly a better option here and that's actually evidentially borne out when you look at all of the countries that have done this and they have like much lower relapse rates, much lower infection rates, much lower HIV rates, much lower rates of people in society that are actually doing these things, right? So if you just want to go with the practical solution to reduce this as much as possible, that actually is like the practical thing to do. Yeah, and we're going to go more into that. We'll expand on that, you know, later on. But for now, let's just look at what the UK is doing about drug use. We're going to the prevalence of the drug use. This is from the UK government website. It says that the overall prevalence of drug use reported in the UK has remained relatively stable throughout the last decade. So people don't seem to be taking it anymore. Don't people, like, people on, on average aren't taking it any less over the last decade, that's insane. That's with all of these progress in Scotland, for example, with these um, injection sites, but it's still not drastically reducing drug-related harm. From the most recent surveys, the prevalence of any drug use in the last year was 9.4% in England and Wales, 12% in Scotland, and 59 in Northern Ireland. So that's the literally drug use is 9.4% in England and Wales, 12% in Scotland, 5.9% in Northern Ireland. So what's that? That's like, bro, that's nearly fucking 25% in, in like in like fucking the whole of like the UK though. That's insane. Wow, like almost 20, 20 to 25% of the population is fucking on drugs in the UK. And that's without the dark figure, all of the unreported and unrecorded statistics. Wow, that's insane. Well, that was ultimately what I was going to say, right? Because I don't, I don't even think you can trust those numbers, honestly. Like, what, 
reason would I have to believe that those numbers are the correct numbers, right? At best, you can say that it's those percentages minimum because you like, like you said, that's all they could find out about. Oh yeah, right. So it's at least that bad, but in reality, it's probably worse than that. There's probably, you know, yeah, yeah. things that they didn't figure out or places they ain't looking or just numbers not wanting to tell us ultimately, right? So it's at minimum that bad, but the reality of the situation is probably worse. Any state, ultimately, I think, would want to keep a track of, you know, uh, what drugs and how many drugs are in their population, right? So they have a uh, they have a vested interest in this, in either providing them or knowing where they are. You can just look at what the CIA did in the United States, right? I mean, it literally, that's how, you know, Rick Ross got big, the original Rick Ross, right? He was literally selling um, crack and everything for the Reagan administration um, that, funded the Contra Sandinista war, right? That's what Reagan did. He literally introduced drugs into the communities and then got a cut of that money and he funded an illegal operation in South America with that money, right? So yeah, um, that is the reality of the situation that many states are actually fully aware of uh, not only what drugs are in their population, but you know how much and what the real numbers are and what's coming in and what's going out. And, you know, they, they know all of that. Yeah, definitely. What this highlights, though, is just, I mean, it's insane how many people take drugs. People who are listening to this, like, I guarantee you, you know somebody who takes drugs. It's it's insane to think that you don't. Everybody, everybody takes drugs. It's standard weed, standard. I mean, like, I mean, you're going to find at least one dealer on, like, every street nearly, especially in, like, Liverpool. It's no joke like this shit grows on trees shit is trees yeah it is trees you know what i mean and it just goes to show as we're going to go into it when we talk about portugal we talk about other places that have decriminalized drugs just how the drug related harms have absolutely hit the fucking deck that the prevalence of drug use there is no prevalence of it there's drug use but it's not prevalent it's insignificant so would you compare that you know, as we go on to, through the episode with the UK's utter failure. I mean, it's not even a failure in reducing drug use or drug-related harms because they've got no interest in in, redu- in reducing drug use or drug-related harms, in my opinion. If anything, the only way in which the UK even cares about drug-related deaths is so that when the US, when the United Nations asks all the nations to hand in a report on drug-related deaths, the UK doesn't want to be looked at as like one of the worst ones. That's probably the only way that they care about drug-related deaths. And we're out here now saying legalise all drugs. Because we care about these drug-related deaths, we care about the suffering, we care about this damage, the you know drug use, drug abuse, and criminal distribution of drugs has on on our people, on our society, and and has on the overall consciousness and the potential of the human mind going forward as we're trying to build a future for, for us all. Sure. That was just a highlight on the accessibility of drugs in cities and the consequences of them. Even if there isn't heroin in your area, you, you live somewhere out there where Ryan does and there's just loads of fields and a little village, I guarantee you somebody from a major city is going to be out there in no time, set up a little George phone and then get all the population addicted to this heroin, this Bobby, and then they'll all turn into punters and then this kid will just go back to whatever city he was from with thousands of pounds from these communities and, and there's no way 
یعنی بریخ نوشت رفتم That's happening with weed for sure there's like a documentary on um, YouTube and it's called like in- inside the UK's cannabis homes and it's literally there's some statistic where it's like 60 to 70% of all weed in the UK is grown in the UK and it's grown like out here that's what I'm saying like in the middle of nowhere people just like rent houses out here turn them into grow houses and like 60% of the UK's weed is grown out here like yeah. you can walk uh three to four miles and find like plants in amongst other crops and things because the farm field looks like it's one thing like it looks like it's just growing wheat or something and then you walk out like into the middle of it and there's like a huge circle cut out in the middle of the field and there's just like yeah there's plants in there like you can find that all over because like i said if there's like 60 to 70 percent of the uk's weed is homegrown then yeah there are homes growing it right and it's a fuck ton of them and they're like they're out there for sure yeah i mean we we get obviously loads of homegrown weed we also give i mean we get weed from like california like actually shipped from california and then we got like heavy weeds to get weeds from the dam and we get weeds from like morocco get weeds sent over from like all over the world um, and yeah i mean it just takes a little house and it's grown there but you can do that with any single drug ever. You can just make it and you just cook it up in your house um, in some fucking pan in some punter's house and, you know, everybody's happy. Yeah, it depends. There's, like, like certain drugs can't be drug- grown in certain countries. Like, opium can't be grown domestically. That's why the US and the UK are so invested in, you know, the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. Because during that war started, like, opium production is, like, quadrupled. Um, it's gone up four times since the start of the Iraq war. So they literally said, like, war on drugs, and they've, like, quadrupled um, opium production, right? So it's clear they're not stomping it out. It's clear that they're just controlling it. Um, but, yeah, that's one of the reasons why they wanted to go into Iraq and Afghanistan, right? One is geopolitical power, um, control of the drug trade, oil, you know, like I said, geopolitical influence. It's, like, all of these reasons, um, military-industrial complex. But one of them is the drug trade, right? It plays into the drug trade. And that's why, like, half a gram can cost you, like, 30 quid, and why the half a gram is well it might be like 0.25 of that could actually be like cocaine and the rest is bashed with you know shit and that's why all of these drugs are so expensive obviously they're hard to get older you have to get them shift shipped from overseas and then that's why you know just kids who were selling it are just gonna bash it with all kinds of shit and why i mean we'll say this later on but why you know, the decriminalization and legalization of it would ensure that if people are to take that drug, that it's not bashed with all kinds of shit and it is actually, like, medically pure, which ultimately is going to be a lot better for their health. Yeah, that reason and all the ones I spoke about earlier, right, are why you should legalize, right? That is the answer to that question. Um, it's the, the purity to make sure that it's, you know, it is what you say it is. It's to stomp out, like I said, if you care so much about crime, like organizations underground that actually grow it and sell it and have control of the market what are they going to do when actual companies start opening up because now companies like that or not even companies but like groups of people like the mafia are now going to have to compete with shit like asda opening up opening up a weed section right and they're not going to be able to compete with that because asda's so much bigger it's so much larger you're it's david and goliath except david's not winning this one right so eventually they'll go out of business because um because ASDA, I mean, hopefully, although there is the tax issue depending on how much they tax it when they legalize it, um, I'm sure they'll strike out some kind of equilibrium at some point, but it will be considerably smaller. 
right? Mm. All those reasons are why you should legalize, right? It, it's just a common sense thing. Yeah, and that leads on to the next point in common sense, how the general population's opinions on drugs are shaped by the previous laws and what policymakers are saying about laws and what they're being shown on TV shows and what they're showing about movies. This builds a common sense around the illegal drugs, that the dangerous, simply just extremely addictive. Um, you know, if you're, if you're take some heroin you're going to be addicted to heroin you're going to want to sell all of your possessions to be able to afford it you're going to want to be able to sell all of everybody else's possessions to afford it so then you've got to turn to like thievery if you have a job and you start smoking weed suddenly you're going to want to quit your job and do nothing but sit around and smoke weed all of these are stereotypes which is built in the common sense of people's minds i think at this point in the podcast people should at least be really engaged with what we're saying here and if you had that kind of similar bourgeois common sense opinion around drugs because they are illegal hopefully we're captivating you here to want to go and listen to you know the, the main arguments on why we should legalize drugs so for those reasons that's why people have a common sense opinion of it that's why it's so important for me personally to to do this episode because i don't personally see any discourse about the legalization of drugs from comrades anywhere this worries me i do think that again we're, as we're trying to build a future of what communism and socialism should look like these are definitely things that we cannot ignore and again people this is people ignoring the lump and i'm gonna get pissed off now because as we talked about there's a weed dealer there's some, there's some kind of dealer in your street right now in the street behind that in the street behind that you can't deny these people's existences that they're everywhere so Try and build a socialist future without bringing in the lumpen is also not taking control over the drug distribution and production in our communities. Talk about seizing the means of production. We need to do that by taking the lumpen who are producing this shit and then fucking shaking them and saying, be a fucking revolutionary or you'll fucking be in jail. It's that fucking simple. So look, I'm going to get pissed off. People need to start standing behind the fucking lumpen. Yeah, I swear to God. Stand behind this goddamn podcast. We're not going to be standing here all day long talking about the fucking Soviet Union or shit from fucking history. We're not a fucking history podcast. And all these other fucking comments who are doing all of this history every other fucking week, the debating all fucking pointless shit that fucking certain people have written about hundreds of years ago. We want to build the future. God damn it. And this is an important part of it. Seizing the means of drug production. <laughs> I want to highlight the reality of the drug situation as we have it today and why we're saying to you is you know drugs being illegal they don't work go on the uk government it tells you drug use has not come down in the last 10 years so it's not going to work if you're truly against the damage from drugs you have to be paying attention here people you have to legalize them obviously people lose loved ones to drugs escapism overwhelms people so much that it damages family relations no doubt drugs can 
economically pillage an individual so that they can't buy nice things for themselves, they can't buy clothes so they, they can look good and then they can get a partner and settle down and actually live a normal life, a simple life which everybody wants is to love and be loved and have a family, you can't do that shit, um, obviously not everybody wants that but most people do, you can't do that because you look like a fucking scuff because you're spending all your dough on fucking drugs and that, there's people who would easily choose a stripe over like or a joint over food any day i mean listen marxism is the ruthless criticism of all that exists right so anyone that thinks drugs should be illegal that is bourgeois morality right it's not necessarily an insult it's just something that you have to recognize and change the position on right and it's not it's especially not an insult because every one of us grew up in bourgeois society so all of us probably have opinions on some things that end up being you know like bourgeois morality that's why there's so many conversations within the actual left, mm. the anti-capitalist left um about all these kinds of topics like sex work right because some people on that issue still have the bourgeois morality line right and if you understand that like Marxism really is the ruthless criticism of all that exists. You have to evaluate, evaluate all of your opinions, all of your, you know, what you think about every issue yep. and see if that is actually bourgeois morality or if you are understanding how things work, right? Like dialectically and actually separating what's best for the people out from what serves the best for private capital because wanting drugs to remain illegal is siding with capital on that issue, mm. right? It's just most people don't think of it that way and most people don't know that yeah. because they don't actually have, I don't know, the, mm. the critical theory or like the social theory or something to understand what role these chemicals play in society and who wants them there and why were made, they made illegal and who benefits from them being illegal. Yeah. Well, also, if you look in America where they've legalized uh, weed, guess who's against it? The tobacco and the alcohol <laughs> yeah. companies. Right, because suddenly they're competition. Mm. So once you understand that they're so they're against it now that they've been legalized, obviously they wanted them to remain illegal. So once again, it was a political weapon, right? So you you shouldn't side with capital on these things. Absolutely. Just want to again highlight to people: I understand if you're young or you haven't given these much thoughts, or you've been raised in a family and have kept your safe from the reality of drugs in your environment but i've seen being told by somebody that they sold i've never seen the person again in my life since um but um yeah he told me that he phoned some punter up and like he wasn't getting answered so he went around and the punter's dead he died of an overdose of like heroin that he sold to him and like i saw him like genuinely upset like he was genuinely upset but at the same time you know these are like gangsters and they don't want to look like like maggots you know what i'm saying they've, they've got to look like um they've got to look strong and they, you know it was me he was speaking to when we got them revolutionary communists i just said obviously that i was like if you never done that you would have got off somebody else and he would have died you know is that person to blame for killing that person i don't know I, I mean, I do know, I, I don't think he was. It was that individual's choice. But again, why do individuals make choices? 
uh-oh, it's the material conditions. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Always comes back to the same thing. That's ultimately what we're trying to change here. But it takes this ideological shift in people. So I've seen this. I've seen one family member sell drugs to another family members. There's families who literally just deal amongst themselves. And there's people who remove that family role and they just simply see each other as like a means for income. There's, again, there's... The families who have seen, you know, parents get screened at for taking drugs um, because they were meant to come after them or, you know, they're sneaking them and they're addicted to all kinds of pills. God, I've seen major suffering. I've seen suffering on both sides from the drug user and the family member who, who has that drug user. I come on, people. Like, I, I genuinely think I've seen more. I think I've felt more pain over drugs and again yeah I've had drug addictions you know I spent money when I shouldn't have on drugs and on all this shit I've suffered myself and I'm aiming to alleviate this suffering but it takes people taking this seriously if you have never had drugs or you've only simply dabbled in on them or you don't even know a drug dealer in the sense of he's your friend don't be coming at me telling me anything about drugs just shut up and listen that's all we're asking even if you can't get over the bourgeois morality point, just don't even think of it in terms of morality. Think of it in terms of practicality, right? Because most people that are for keeping them illegal think they're doing it because crime rates go down on their side. So if that's your main concern, that's why you should adopt them all being legal. Because that way you can get the crime out. You can get it because it's no longer going to be a crime. Instead of like making it a crime for them to go and buy it, they're just going to go to Asda or whoever's going to open up and sell it. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, it doesn't make sense for them to keep it in the hands of, you know, mafia-type groups, right? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It, d forget morality. Even if you can't think of it as a morality issue, just think of it as a pure practicality point, right? Like, if you actually want to reduce crime as much as possible, then the sensible position to reduce crime as much as possible is to legalise all of it, right? Yeah, and we'll move on to like what causes addiction and why we should actually legalise it with some examples that have done just that. But I just want to go back to this point that I said where you know, people come on, we're trying to, trying to do a goddamn revolution here. We all have to be on the same team. I just want to talk about like more lumping shit on this is because like a lot of people may choose or be socially hustled into spinning drugs themselves um, this is because you can easily earn like £350 a day selling drugs um, thousands of pounds a week whereas obviously the average job will pay you you know a pittance and I mean you go £1,000 a month for full time wage slavery so you know just compare full time wage slavery £1,000 to you know drug dealing you can get like three four five you know even more off it it's common sense shit and again if this is legalized we take the drugs away from the lumping and then the lumping obviously yes they might they're gonna struggle economically but i mean that's just that's just something they're gonna have to do for the revolution because now it means that they can't sell drugs because people can just you know get them legally in a clinic or something but again it's it's about freeing up their time to engage with revolutionary politics and theory and then um start 
spreading class consciousness in their own local environment and becoming organic intellectuals from their previous gang members and then when gangs have got nothing else to do other than be angry at the state then we're going to start seeing like more groups like the black panthers emerging you know this is common sense shit it's also you know just practical drug addiction is not treated it is punished. And if we talk about like escapers and why people are even taking drugs in a lot of cases anyway, you can say that like the core of addiction is about not wanting to be present in your life because your life is a painful is a painful place to be. That's essentially escapism, you know, you this is too much, I'm gonna fucking bug out and go to this fucking high realm or spiritual realm or fucking whatever trip I'm gonna go on. I mean l- Johan Hari is the one that talks about that a lot, right? Like, I sent you, like, his Joe Rogan interviews and whatever, but, like, he's not even the first person to come up with this, right? You can go all the way back to, like, Emile Durkheim when he talks about social anime, right? Which is, he's talking about, like, he has a book called On Suicide, and he, like, um, he was, like, the first person to actually scientize sociology, if that makes sense. Um, And he literally went around and he calculated, like, the suicide rates in all sorts of different um, places, and he figured out that... in societies where there were fewer social bonds, like less of a community, less social bonds, more atomized society, suicide rates went up, right? And Johan Hari is literally finding the exact same thing for drug use. And this is literally because of capital, right? If you know anything about Marx and the alienation, um, the three types of alienation under capitalism, according to Marx, right? The alienation from each other, the alienation from your labor, and I always forget the third one. But once you understand that capitalism is actually atomizing each people into, you know, individual cubicles or individual houses in the suburbs or something, right? Like, that's why so many famous socialist writers and authors have been against the creation of the suburbs. We talked about this a little bit on the trip episode, right? Because it provides, like, the actual creation of the suburbs is a like a colonial project right like it's a very middle class aspect of society and it was created deliberately for that and it further atomizes um people right people out there you know they don't even know their neighbors whatever whatever right so that is the role that plays and when you realize that and when you're someone that doesn't have those things and you understand that, you know, drug use goes up in a community with fewer social bonds, then, yeah, you get much higher drug use rates, right? That's very logical. You know, me old on suicide is just fucking profound. People need to to go on your channel and check out that video. I'll add that into the show notes. But, yeah, I mean, just dialectically speaking, the opposite of addiction is connection. So it is that lack of connection that can lead one to being addicted to certain things and that's why people can be addicted to so many different things whether it is buying certain products whether it's shopping whether it's gambling there's a connection there with that and it kind of gives you like a sense of who you are or at least you know make something more familiar when everything else is is alienated from you let's go into the nitty-gritty what is a fundamental misunderstanding in the common sense understanding of what addiction is so much of what we're told is wrong drugs aren't what we think they are addiction isn't what we think it is the war on drugs isn't what we think it is and the alternatives to the war on drugs aren't what we think they are so in some ways it's kind of dawning to go all over the world and realize so much of what we take for granted isn't right but that opens up this whole exciting other set of possibilities 
the the main reason why people assume that people do drugs is to escape reality. Um, what do you think is the the primary thing that they're running from? So you've got to separate out two things, and this surprised me because my family's experience was pretty bad and catastrophic addiction. But most drug use, even the main drug war body in the world, the UN Office of Drug Control, admits that 90% of all currently banned drug use is what they call non-problematic. So the person isn't addicted and it doesn't damage their health, right? right. So 90%. So let's set that aside. We'll come back to that. Okay. There's like 90% that's recreational use where people use because it makes their lives better. Right. Then you've got the like temp- coffee sip of wine at work or a, or, uh, or, or, or dinner, ecstasy rather. or a whole range of mm-hmm. a whole range of currently cannabis <laughs> a whole range of currently illegal drugs um in most cases there are some people who have addictions to cannabis um, but you so then you then got got to ask well what's happening with this 10% who have got a problem right what's going on and one of the things that really blew my mind in the research for chasing the scream was realizing I had deeply misunderstood what addiction is. I had misunderstood the thing I thought I had been seeing in front of me since I was a kid, right? So most people, let's think about heroin addiction because that was close to me. Most people, if we stop the next 20 people to walk past your, you know, your, your studio and we said to them, what causes heroin addiction? I think they'd look at us like we were stupid and they'd say, well, the clues in the name, dipshit, right? Heroin causes heroin addiction. We've been told this story for 100 years. It's become totally part of our, our common sense, right? We think if we took, the, we took the next 20 people after that who walked past the studio and we injected them all with heroin every day for a month, at the end of that month, they'd all be heroin addicts for a simple reason. There's chemical hooks in heroin that their bodies would start to desperately physically need. Um, and we think that a lot of people think that's what addiction is, right? It's this physical hunger for the chemical hook inside the drug, right? Um, There is some reality to chemical hooks. They exist. They're real. But that's actually a very small part of what's going on. The first thing that alerted me to the fact there's something wrong with that story we've been told is when it was explained to me by loads of doctors in Britain, where I'm from, if you step out into the street and you get hit by a truck and you break your hip, you'll be taken to hospital and you'll be given loads of a drug called diamorphine. Diamorphine is heroin, right? It's the medical name for heroin. It's the stuff you'll be given in hospital is much better than the shit you buy on the street because it's medically pure. It's you know not contaminated. Um, if what we think about addiction is right, that it's just caused by exposure to the drug, what should be happening to all these people in British hospitals who are being given loads of heroin, right? Anyone watching this podcast who's got a British grandmother who's had a hip replacement operation, your grandmother's taken a shit ton of heroin, right? Um, if what we think is right, that addiction is caused primarily by exposure to the chemical hooks, loads of these people should be leaving hospital and trying to score on the streets, right? This has been studied very carefully. It virtually never happens, right? And when I learned that, it just seems so weird to me I thought it couldn't possibly be true, right? How could it be you've got someone in a hospital bed who's taking loads of really potent heroin, they don't become addicted, and in the alleyway outside, you've got someone who's using actually a weaker form of the drug who becomes addicted. How how can that be? What's happening here? And I only began to understand it when when I went to Vancouver and met this amazing man called Professor Bruce Alexander, who did an experiment that's really transformed how we think about addiction all over the world. It's led to a new way of thinking and loads of new evidence. So Professor Alexander explained to me. So if you're going to be addicted to anything, you would be addicted to the one in hospital? Oh, of course. But that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, you can even see that in like 
you know, drug rates of countries that have legalized everything, right? Because when you, like I said, like when you legalize everything, you have actual like government regulation. So it has to be a certain quality and a certain strength, blah, 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 which means just like weed, you can get like stronger weed. But if you have things like opium der derivatives, you'll have stronger opiate. Um, opiates. But if you look at opiate use in those countries, like percent of people that are addicted to it, it's way, way, way lower than it is here. But they have a much higher, purer product, right? So how would you possibly make sense of this without the sociological aspect of, you know, the, the social bonds and the community and the character and the sort of relationships that people have with each other, right? And it's the law, by the way, that breaks that down further, right? Because you don't, you might not know that many people who do it. It depends, right? Depends on, you know, if you're in the city or the sticks or whatever, whatever, right? But again, it's it gives you fewer chances to make bonds and community because it's illegal. So you don't really want to hang out as much or be seen as much. You're always trying to hide, you're always trying, right? So social bonds, it's not really the great situation for social bonds to be made you know what i'm saying but if you legalize it then it's just like you know whatever wine just like buying a beer or having a beer or going to the pub you know what i mean you can even have like coffee houses and smoke houses right it becomes a social thing and when you have those social bonds people are much less likely to abuse drugs and um become dependent or reliant right so it's it seems counterintuitive but if you want less harm less addiction less societal problems the actual practical thing to do is legalize everything. Okay, I'm going to hit you up with some dialectics now. On those social bonds, it can also go the opposite way. So those social bonds could lead to an increase in drug use. And how that, how that could be is for the exact reasons that you stated, that it is illegal, it is underground, it's not something that you can just talk about with other people and build bonds with because you, you're engaged with something sure. that the scene is something involved as only social scum would be involved in. You know, what you also can have is people who, for example, weed and, and like... You know, lemo and that is not accessible in any other way than from like crime, from a criminal, and or even a gang member. So what you have is people forced to continue to buy from drug dealers. You know, criminals. If you're going to talk like a bourgeoisie, so what happens is their dependency on this drug is only available from these, you know, gang members, from these lumpen poles. The, my G's, right? This can lead into owing them money. If you get on bail, then you, you like hold them money, and then you might have to start doing things for them because you, you're fucking skint and you don't have the money to pay for your drug habit. So that can actually lead to somebody being part of a gang. It's this I want to smoke weed every day, I want to have a fucking stripe of Kenny every day, so I need to have the money to do that. So, you know, all these boys, you know, like smoking weed too, so I'm going to chill with them and before you know it you're part of a gang and you're all spinning bits and while at the same time you're the victims from addiction i mean this is all about liberating the london class here yeah that's about it that's about reducing crime though you know what i'm saying because like let's say you could buy that at asda there isn't going to be a group of people that are going to take deck chairs into asda and prop up talking about oh i'm just gonna like sit here and do it all day and trying to rob like whoever comes in you know what i mean like it's not going to happen right so once you actually legalize it that's the crime-reducing element of it, right? You won't have that there. Mm -hmm. 
because now you can just go into Asda and buy it and ain't a big deal and whatever, whatever. And like drug use in a society will go up, yes, but addiction and dependency will go down. And all capital cares about is like the pop, the, the percentage of the population that can still work, right? So if there's less people addictive that addicted, that actually means more people that can work, right? And so even if drug use goes up, as long as people are still able to do jobs, capital won't really give a fuck. And that's why companies in the United States are now moving in. Because capital wants, again, a basic analysis of capital is that capitalism is that it requires new markets always. That's what drives imperialism, right? Once capitalism has like fully infected its host country, its domestic population, it goes, oh, fuck, like I need to keep growing or I die. So what does it do? It looks abroad, you get imperialism, you get colonialism, you get empires, right? That's why, because capital has to keep moving or it dies. It's like um, sharks, right? Sharks have to keep swimming or they sink. So they sleep swimming, right? Because if a shark stops moving, it sinks and it, and it drowns or some weird shit because water goes in its gills the wrong way, whatever, I'm not sure. But the point is, that analogy is just like capital, right? Capital has to keep growing or it dies, it drowns. And capital requires either A, a constant new supply of markets, or B, greater exploitation of currently existing markets, right? With legalization of weed, that's a new market. And capital loves that shit. So it, it, it pours in like the vampire it is, and it chews everything up. And that's why some people are saying, you know, that's a negative aspect of um, legalization. And yeah, I get it. It's essentially saying we're going to take it out of the hands of the underground, the mafia-like states, and we're going to give it to private capital. And that fucking sucks. And I wish there was... And I wish that we didn't live in a capitalist country so that we could have the government step in and do it instead of giving it into the hands of the bourgeoisie. But because we live in the country we live, if it's going to get legalized, it's just going to automatically be handed to the... That's just how it's going to work, right? They're just going to hand it over to private capital. And that is a downside. That fucking sucks. I hate that shit. I wish that we had control of the government so that we could open up, like, government weed stores. That way we, we wouldn't have to be paying the profit margins of the company that's going to open it, right? So it would be cheaper. And, you know, you could even undercut the market by saying that if you buy it from government stores, you only have to pay half the tax, 10% of the tax, you know what I'm saying? So that way you could undercut the private um, weed stores and you could basically just do them out of business that way. That's how I'd do it. But again, like if it's ever going to be legal in the United States, and it is in some states, obviously, it's just handed over to private companies. Yeah. And that fucking sucks. I hate that shit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, on markets, just as as an aside, I firmly believe that it's just not economically viable for the GT, for the G fucking, for the fucking GDP or whatever of the fucking country to decriminalise it. And why I think no, it's because I genuinely just think of how much money lumping people make. Yeah, they go to the clubs, they buy all the booths. That's like, you know, fucking five hundred pound a night just for a fucking table and some fucking bottles. Yeah, um, and then you know, go to got all the lumping. The new one tens have come out. They're like fucking three hundred and fifty quid for a pair of fucking trainers. If you can get if you can get hold of a trainer's like two hundred quid on standard anyway. Like getting enough JD is not cheap. And this is what all the lumpens wear and they all wear like, you know, scally clothes, they all look the fucking same, no face soldiers and that. And like 
working class people generally aren't able to afford a lot of the clothes and especially like with how regularly you know new trainers are brought out and all these grafters are buying all this gear and staying on top of like the the trend um so i think like if those grafters never had the dough from like spinning whatever they were selling yeah then JD is pretty much going to lose a vast majority of its income. Um, I think that, you know, the club scene, not, not that it's not already fucking in, in the gutter because of COVID, but, like, I think, like, a lot of clubs would lose major, major dough because they're not selling tables because nobody can fucking afford them because they're fucking wage slaves. There's so much commodities today that, like, only, like, the lumping class can, can afford. And sure. I'm talking a lot about clothes, um, you know, cars, you know, holidays. I think you would drastically see... It's like it's like if the middle class were to vanish. It's like if the middle class were to vanish and stop all of their spending, boom. That's how drastic I think it would be if, like, the lumping never had their... What are they going to be getting the money from? They're not going to be wage slaves. Why would they be wage slaves? They're not Muppets. Oh, you're saying the money that they're losing from yeah. the industry being in their hands? Then, yeah, sure, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, that it was just, like, a little mad thought I had, but yeah. I, I think it is comparable to, like, eliminating the middle class because the middle class haven't got sure. middle class income. Do you know? I think you're gonna see. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's it's one of the industries of the lumping class you'd be removing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And that's again just uh, talking about like seizing the means of of drug production. Yeah. With, with that, you're also gonna seize a lot of the the capital or social capital that that would come from that. Yeah. Except, just not my one. I just went on a tangent there. Yeah. But the amount of money it brings in is insane. Like, in Colorado, they legalized years ago, and they've brought in so much money from um, weed taxes that they've just started giving money to the population. Like, everyone in the country got, like, I don't remember how much it was, but everyone in the in the state got a check sent to them in the mail. Yeah. Because they brought in so much money from the tax revenue. That's what I'm saying. So imagine all that money where they had so much, they had to give it back to people as like extra taxes. Imagine that is all going to the lumpen if it wasn't legal. Do you know what I'm saying? That's literally how much money is in the, the underworld. The underworld. Of course. But what I'm saying is like most people when they talk about this is they want as little crime as possible. So if you bring that industry out of their hands, then that reduces the crime. You know what I'm saying? Because now disputes are settled in courts. They're not settled, you know what I'm saying, like on street corners with guns. You know what I mean? Mm. I mean, what we're doing here is is really thought experiments for the future that we're building. So that's good. For sure. And again, if I was to do this perfectly, like my way, I'd have the government do it, not private capital. Because if private capital does it, then yeah, there are downsides to it, right? But I'd have the actual, I'd have government control of it. The way I'd probably do it is over here with the NHS, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's actually government controlled. If, you, if you're if you from America, you might not know that. Um, it's free at the point of entry. You don't pay anything when you go to a hospital at all. What I would have is I would have like um, a weed shop, like on the end, like a gift shop. And you can just buy and sell it like there, like that. And that way, you're, there's no private companies. There are no like brand new weed businesses open it up. It's just like tack it onto the NHS, and then that money can go back to funding the NHS, right? 
how I do it is like the non-violence lump and poles who have been selling selling it the whole lives. They should just have their own coffee shop in there. Well, they can. Well, but yeah, yeah, exactly. They can go legal at that point. They can just get mm. together and open a shop, right? So all those people that had all that money that was like black market under the business team, yeah. right? You can just. Now you can just apply for a license, is what yeah. I'm saying. So you won't be losing that money because it will still be you. Just open, you know, get a license and open a proper business, you know what I'm saying? And just do what you were doing before, but above board. That's literally what I think should happen. So you got some some lads who have got it like a crew of like five or six of them and they're all selling weed and that together. Yeah. Just give them their own fucking coffee shop and then all their punters. Yeah can come and fucking enjoy legal weed you know it's not rocket science um, and again yeah. these people are not going to have to turn to crime because they're, they're contributing to society because they'll be making money now right and the whole point is that having no money is what drives crime and you've got no money and drugs it's like duh one and one right mm-hmm. it's simple defo yeah that's the main point of it um, yeah. them being able to, to make a legal living is great because we're stopping people from going into cages for many years we all know to abolish prisons because prisons teach you how to be a criminal once you come out there you're just a better criminal you're angry it's an extremely toxic vicious violent place you don't come out of there a better person so we're trying to stop people who have literally had drugs around in the whole entire lives since they were kids. They had no sure. choice. Well, because their parents were abused, they were abused, but, you know, fucking go on, imagine a, a load of horrors all you want. But this is the reality of the situation. It's not necessarily their fault, but it's the material conditions that shape their addictions. Yeah, Two packs said it best. <laughs> Now I was born as a rebel, making trouble for the devil Take this gangbang shit to a whole nother level Can you feel me now? Armies in every city, definition of power Players, are you with me? See the war is the prophecy Survival is the strategy Rest in peace to my comrades, that's the cease I got you in my heart till the day I die Think of the damage we can do if we wasn't high That is the end goal Is to stop self-destructive or destructive behaviours That people engage in because for all they know, in 20 minutes' time, they could be arrested for doing what they need to do to survive under capitalism that demands only the most compliant, complicit, docile, weak, terrified, desperate wage slaves to sell their labour, to afford food, clothes and electricity, gas and shelter for them to die in. This is how people live, haven't contributed to nothing but the extinction project that is capitalism. What we'll do is we'll take a look at the material conditions now. The material conditions and what causing addiction. We'll go into the strongest arguments that we have in order to legalise, decriminalise all the drugs. Alright, so this is where I'll go on to what Johan Harry said about Rat Park, so I'll go on to that now. So as we talk, as you've just mentioned about on suicide, about you know the material conditions leading somebody to suicide being similar to what leads them to do drugs or be addicted. I mean, there's a perfect example of that. But historically, what people think of addiction is actually based on an experiment. Oh, oh, oh! Uh, this is Cocaine Park, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> 
this story that we've been told, right, that addiction is caused by the chemical hooks primarily, comes from a series of experiments that were done earlier in the 20th century. They're really simple experiments. Your viewers can try them at home if they're feeling a little bit shitty today, right? You take a rat, you put it in a cage, and you give it two water bottles. One is just water, and the other is water laced with either heroin or cocaine. You might remember in the 1980s, there's a famous Partnership for Drug-Free America ad that's, that shows this experiment, mm -hmm. right? And the rat in this cage starts to drink the... It pref always prefers the heroin water and almost always kills itself within a week or two, right? So there you go. That's that's our story. The, you, you're exposed to the drug, it takes you over, uh, and then you just die, Right. But in the 70s, Professor Alexander comes along and says he was working with people with addiction problems. And he's like, well, hang on a minute. We put these rats alone in an empty cage. They've got nothing that makes life meaningful for rats, right? What would happen if we did this differently? So he built a cage that he called Rat Park, which is basically like heaven for rats, right? They've got loads of friends. They've got loads of cheese. They've got loads of colored balls. They can have loads of sex. Anything a rat finds meaningful in life is there in Rat Park. And they've got both the water bottles, the normal water and the drug water. And of course, they try both. They don't know what's in them. This is the fascinating thing. In Rat Park, they don't like the water very much. None of them ever use it compulsively. The heroin water. Yeah, the heroin water. None of them ever use it compulsively. None of them ever overdose. So you go from almost 100% compulsive use and death by overdose when their lives are shitty to none when they have the things that make life meaningful. Now, there's loads of human examples I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. But the, the main thing I took from this is that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. Mm -hmm. We have to ask ourselves, what are the contexts in which people become addicted? Because there are some contexts where people find these drugs extremely addictive. And there are some contexts where they don't become addicted at all, there's something, the drug plays a role, chemical hooks are real, I can talk about how we know that, they play some role, but they're actually a surprisingly small role of what's going, small amount of what's going on. We know this from, I mean, there's so many examples, but I'll give you, give you another one. In, at the same time as Rat Park, there was an experiment going on that everyone listening to this will have heard of, the Vietnam War, right? In Vietnam, shitloads of American troops were using heroin, right? It was very easy to get it out there. They'd actually, insanely, they had cracked down on cannabis. And so people had moved to heroin because sniffer dogs can't detect um, heroin as easily as cannabis. So cannabis was everywhere. Uh, sorry, uh, heroin was everywhere. Loads of American troops were using it. And if you look at what people said at the time, the authorities, the Nixon White House, they were shitting themselves because they're like, they believe this chemical hooks theory of addiction. So they're like, fuck, when this war ends... We're going to have, you know, half a million heroin addicts on the streets of the United States. There was a really good study that followed these, these men home, and it found that the vast majority of them just stopped, right? They didn't, go into, they didn't go to rehab, most of them. They didn't go into horrific withdrawal. Some of them had uncomfortable flu-like symptoms, but um, most of them just stopped. Now, if you believe this old theory that chemical hooks take you over... That makes no sense. But if you understand what Professor Alexander is saying and the, all the new evidence about addiction that I go through in Chasing the Scream, it makes, it makes perfect sense, right? You, me, everyone in this area, if I took any of us and put us in a horrific pestilential jungle where we don't want to be and I made you kill a load of people and potentially die at any moment you would find heroin much more appealing mm. than you do now, right? If we want to understand why people turn to painkillers, we've got to understand why they're in pain, right? Um, and and, and the, the core of addiction, it's made me, I learned from these amazing experts all over the world, the, the core of addiction 
It's about not wanting to be present in your life because your life is too painful a place mm. to be. Um, water and cocaine, right? And um, when the mice or rats had no area to play, they drank from the cocaine mixed water way more. Like one rat had like a great play area and play things and social bonds and loads of other mice and rats to play with. And one was just like in a prison cell and it had nothing. And the one in the prison cell that had nothing drank from the cocaine water way more, right? And that was another demonstration that it's actually social bonds and community and having things to do that decreases the use of drug. You, you combine them into one um, but what, what I was saying about the first one was this was done many many years ago decades ago that park what happened was within a week these rats would always die um, after drinking only the, the cocaine water you know they'd go off the tits and then they'd fucking die and then yeah what you just said the next one that he done was rat park it was essentially heaven on earth for rats they had the ability to socialize with other male and female rats they had toys they had like a ballpark you know rat condos he had multiple levels for sleeping uh, they had tunnels so the rats had somewhere to play and hide they could have sex whenever they wanted you know they had so much room but what they also had was they had the water bottle and they also had the water bottle that was laced with cocaine they had, they had the same option about, you know, whether to drink cocaine water or not. But what actually happened was uh, only a small percentage of, of rats who used the lever with cocaine became addicted to, like, you know, the powerful drug. The rats who were happy and had other things to do, they did not actually prefer cocaine. They rarely ever used the lever that dispensed the drug water. The rats that were kept in isolated cage that did not contain amusements and other rats were much more likely to be addicted to the drugs offered. So when we're talking about alienation and you haven't got the ability to socialise with the people, you haven't got the material... You know, yeah, you know, you haven't got your own economic power which you've developed through your own labour in order to buy yourselves toys, amusements, in order to travel, in order to go to different places and see other, you know, and to have more than four wall syndrome, which I think a lot of people do have. What I think is most significant about this and we should take away is the previous experiment with just the rats with the cocaine and the normal water in a little cage. That's actually a couple of decades old now. And that is actually what the law based addiction on. That's actually what, you know, a lot of medical scientists to this day base addiction on. However, with this rap park, it's clearly evidence, and I think it's been repeated since, that if rats aren't alienated from other rats in in the world, they're gonna not wanna drink themselves to death with cocaine water. They've got meaning in their life. Yeah, and people know this instinctually, right? Like, people always say that, like, humans are social creatures, humans are social beings. It's like, yeah, okay, I accept that. So when they don't have those social bonds, they become more susceptible to things like uh, addiction. It's really simple, right? It's not like a difficult thing to understand. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And, and again, no, that's why us as Marxists, as materialists, we're not taking this dogmatically. We've looked at the history. We've looked at the studies, the benefits, fucking Reagan, in order to enact policies such as the drug war, etc. We've looked at the history of 
you know, drugs throughout all of humanity. And we're also looking at the material realities. I mean, we've looked at the social realities and the, the tolls on families, individuals, and, you know, general productivity that can come with addiction. But we're also looking at, again, literally the material reality, obviously, shapes how we think, our thoughts, our ideas. This rat experiment proves it to all of us. I really don't. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to be the human test subject for the next, like, rap park. I'll do that. Somebody wants to give me you know, loads of money, give me, you know, loads of people about to interact with, um, you know, a multiple level condo, um, you know, loads of amusements for me to play with. I'll do that study, okay? I think I'll be able to stay off drugs and that because I'll be living, right, I'm telling you. Um, but at the moment, yeah, I'm alienated. Luckily, I've got comments to speak to. I've, I'm engaged with radicalising the lumpen and pulling up with reaction from them so that gives me purpose in my life but you know there's a lot of people out there who aren't fortunate enough to, to have a materialist conception of the world they are idealists and um, with capitalist realist mentality ontology and we're out here trying to build acid communism <laughs> you know okay so that was a study that shown that a change in the material conditions, the removal of alienation and being granted freedom really substantially changes one's motivation for escapism and for drug use. There's more than this though, there's more than this experiment on rats. What there is, is Portugal legalised all of drugs. They legalise all the goddamn drugs. Yep. <laughs> People's head fall off when um, they hear this. Yep. But that was actually on July the 1st, 2001. Portugal decriminalised each believable drug from marijuana to cocaine to heroin. Some people believed that Lisbon would turn into a drug traveller asylum. Other people anticipated use rates among young young people to search. You know, obviously, if it's so accessible and it's decriminalised, obviously, everybody. And this is, how telling is this, Ryan? That people believe that once drugs are legal, everybody's going to take drugs. I think that what that is, that's a subconscious understanding that our life is that alienated and miserable that if drugs were legal, people would turn to addiction and turn to escapism. That's really what that says to me. I'm sure also that some of it is just like, the, there's a giant population of people out there that have like natural curiosity but they don't want to do it just because it's illegal like that's why i'm saying that mm. if it was legalized um people use would go up right it's just the addiction would go down but i'm sure there's giant percentages of the population that are like oh yeah i'd love to try that but i don't want to get put in a cage so they don't do it right and um and that's why again that's why capital loves that that's why in America now there are all sorts of businesses rushing to be the first business to open up when it's legalized. Because capital only cares about making money. And like I said earlier, that's a whole new market for them to open up. So now, before they were, capital had the vested interest in keeping it illegal. But once it starts seeing other dominoes fall, capital quickly rushes because they want to be the first one there so that they can open up first and make all the money, you know what I mean? So it's this weird thing where, like, capital benefits by keeping it illegal, 
But the second one or two states or counties break through, suddenly there's a complete domino effect in the opposite way, and all these really-ass businessmen are rushing to be the first company there to open up so that they can get a head start on every other company. Because once it legalises, they, they just want the money, right? So they want to be the first one there. Yeah, and on that note, I really do want to reiterate that whilst the United States does seem somewhat progressive with the decriminalisation of weed and whatnot, what you do still have is capitalists owning these weed shops who had the money to just simply throw up a shop without batting an eyelid or without even noticing the money gone in the bank account whereas you still have mass proportions of the population in jail for weed related crimes and that's something we always have to seriously consider is that as we're advancing towards the decriminalization of drugs we have to also get those people out of prison who were thrown in there for the use of drugs um, so that we don't have capitalists ex- like exploiting people even goddamn further who are legally selling it while people have been thrown in for illegally selling And that is actually why there are groups in the United States that are um, protesting or advocating for um, black people to be given a giant share of the weed market when they open up because they're obviously the community that were punished the hardest for it. So now they're saying, you know, in a sort of um, trying to use capitalism as as a tool for liberation, they're saying we want we want some percentage of the market, right? Because our community was damaged so badly by this, you owe us um, the money from this industry. So we want X percent of the market when you open up. And of course, you know, capital doesn't want that. It doesn't want to do that. In fact, there are some stories of like um, disastrous policies being um, enacted when they legalize it. They handed it over to like a monopoly in the in the state so that like only one or two companies got control over all of the state production so you see you know the intrinsic problem with capital again like lenin always talked about about the ability uh, and the tendency for it to always trend towards monopoly and when a new market opened up which is weed it was just handed off straight to a monopoly and that is why i spoke earlier about why i wouldn't give it to private company because whenever you get private companies involved somewhere along the line they're going to fuck shit up yeah, so, okay, so shut that down, everybody, for our socialist society in the future. And what we should have is these lumping experts who've been selling it for decades. They should be able to open it up um, in their communities or even sell from the goddamn house. Who, who cares if that's what they want to do? And then be able to sell it to the community as they already done without being punished and further but it should also be within the class consciousness of the people as vanguard to ensure that these people who are profiting from the the drug users in the society, that those drug users within that community should also ensure that whoever's distributing weed from this new legalisation weed shop is given back to the community periodically. That should be essential, I believe. So you don't have like a, you know, a, a legal monopoly over anything as well. For sure. Those people who are thinking that Lisbon would turn into a drug asylum or, you know, the use rates among young people to surge in Portugal. Well, after 11 years, it turns out that you know, both of those claims are wrong. Yep. Over 10 years. So Portugal changed its logic from naming drug clients as crooks to marking them as individuals influenced by a sickness. 
the sickness of course being capitalism but they're not willing to change capitalism the time emission has permitted measurements to create and in time has made Portugal a sample to take after so basically over time what it's shown through the measurements and you know evidence Portugal is an example to really look at as a beacon of why we should legalize drugs Portugal's provocative to decriminalize does not mean individuals can bear utilize and offer drugs free from police obstruction that would be legitimization maybe all drugs are decriminalized significant drug ownership circulation and utilization is still unlawful so you can't just sell it like uh, you can't just go to these places get it and then sell it or you can't produce it and then sell it that's still illegal so while the circulation and trafficking is still a criminal offense ownership and utilization has moved out of criminal courts and into an extraordinary court where every guilty party's remarkable circumstance is judged by lawful specialists analysts and social laborers treatments and fair activity is chosen in these courts where addicts and drug utilization is dealt with as a general well-being administration as opposed to alluding it to the equity framework like in the u.s so the subsequent impact and intense lessening in addicts the Portuguese authorities and reports highlighting that this number had 100,000 preceding the new arrangement was instituted has been divided in the company's 10 years. Portugal's drug utilisation rates are presently among the, the most reduced of EU part states, as stated in the same reports. So, like, it's completely legal. It's completely, well, I mean, it's decriminalised at least. But the drug use rates are among the most reduced in EU states. And look at the the UK, what is it, like 15, 20-odd percent of England and Wales are drug users. That's obviously without the dark figures as well. And that's obviously with drugs being illegal. Yet, Portugal has drugs made legal. And yet, they've still got some of the lowest rates of drug use in the whole of the goddamn EU, if not the world. That just really says a lot because this is Portugal's obviously a capitalist country, its economy and the morality of the people are bourgeois, capitalist, yet just this significant change in policy is drastically reducing the drug use. And what is that drug use? That's families falling apart, that's people being thrown into cages, that's self-destruction, that's destruction, that's social destruction, that's labour destruction, that it's harmful. All goddamn way round. It also just makes no sense from a practical standpoint, right? Like, the message that they want to get across is, don't do drugs, it'll ruin your life. And it's like, okay, so what are you going to do about it? Well, we're going to send the police in and put you in a cage and ruin your life. It's like, your solution doesn't solve the problem here. And once you understand that, you can see why what we've been doing is such a disaster, right? Because the theory we have with the war on drugs, think about Arizona, we can talk about that more. But I, you know, like I say, I went to this nightmare prison, Estrella prison in, in Phoenix, Arizona, where people are humiliated. And the theory behind that, part of the theory behind the war on drugs is, if you've got people who are addicted, you've got to inflict pain on them to, you know, give them an incentive to stop, right? But once you understand that pain is in fact the fuel of addiction, is in fact the primary cause of addiction, you can see why sometimes people say that doesn't work. 
truth is much worse, right? That makes addiction worse. Those women I went out with and spent all that time with who were, you know, humiliated. I remember in that prison, we come back from uh, being on the chain gang where they have to, sometimes they have to dig graves. They weren't doing that the day I was there. They had to collect garbage the day I was, one of the days I was there. But we come back and normally with prisons, as a journalist, they don't want to show you anything, right? Like you have to kind of really finagle to get them to show you anything. In this prison, um, it's like a pantomime of cruelty. They want to show it to you. The whole point is to humiliate these people, right? So the women I've been talking to and the men were really terrified of what they called the hole, right? It's the solitary block. And so I said to the guards, will you show me the hole? I was sure they'd say no. They're like, yeah, sure, come on, we'll show you. So go around to the, the hole. And these women who put for the most like trivial infractions, like having a cigarette, it's literally a hole, right? It's like a concrete block, you're on your own, there's nothing in it, there's a tiny window where you can see sunlight, no TV, nothing. Um, and I remember speaking to a woman who was in this and suddenly thinking, this is the closest you could get to an exact human recreation of the cages that guaranteed addiction in rats, right? And this is what we're doing, thinking it will stop these women being addicted. It's the system we've built, uh, Dr. Gabor Mate, um, an amazing guy, said to me, you know, if negative consequences stopped addiction, there wouldn't be a single addict in the world, right? Mm. What have people with addiction problems not suffered? What humiliation have they not endured? So we've got this, I think we've got to really shift our perspective on what addiction is. And there are places that have done this that have led to incredible results. Uh, most of the factors that are causing this despair are not factors in our biology. They're factors in the way we live. I think it's a kind of, this doesn't cover all of the causes that I, I learned about for lost connections, but it covers a lot of them. Everyone watching your show knows they have natural physical needs, obviously, right? You need food, you need water, you need shelter, you Sleep. need clean air. Exactly. If I took those things away from you, you'd be fucked really quickly, right? But there's equally strong evidence that all human beings have natural psychological needs, right? You need to feel you belong. You need to feel your life has meaning and purpose. You need to feel that people see you and value you. You need to feel you've got a future that makes sense. And this culture we've built is good at lots of things. And I'm really glad to be alive today for all sorts of reasons. I had to go to the dentist the other day. I'm glad to be alive now, not like 100 years ago. But there's a lot of evidence that we've been getting less and less good at meeting these deep underlying psychological needs. This was actually like one of the first interactions I ever had with Rev Left Radio was on the subject of, of drugs. It was actually, I don't know, a year ago or so now. But I don't know, he said something and I, and I responded, I was like, yeah, you know, the lumpen should, should have the control of the drugs. And it was like, the lumpen is simply like the modern witch doctors, in a sense. And I think that, I mean, I, I know boss kids, you know what I mean? You know, boss lads who are um, like really into like psychedelics and mushrooms and, and, and LSD and that. And like, these are like, these are actual like witch doctors, you know, like the, what is it, witch doctors? Is that what I'm saying? Where did where did they'll have a trick with you? Yeah. Honestly, psychedelics are the best. I've tried all of them. Everyone you can name, I've tried them. I even sold LSD for a bit. I want some. Nah, I can I can get old some, but um, I, I haven't tried any. I just always fucking forget. You're gonna have to remind me periodically until I do. <laughs> but um, yeah, they're like the modern witch doctors of society because they're really experts in them. They know exactly what kind of 
environment should be in. Do you know like exactly you know who's good for them, who's bad for them? Do you, do you know the they guide you through the process. What popped down into my mind was, as I was making a cuppa then, was um, I'm talking about, like, decriminalising them, talking about how harmful they can be. That's undoubtedly true, but, again, that's because they're not medical grade and they're filled with a load of shit to simply add weight to, to make more profit because of capitalism and everybody's just fucking desperate for money because money is everything. Um if you live in a capitalist nation but at the same time I do believe that deep down we should have these witch doctors available to us um, because as you said people are naturally curious some people and you will have people who want to engage in um, all these psychedelics and whatnot. so yeah you've got to have the right people for that um, but it was just, just a little note aside there and, and you liked it and then um I think I sent, sent him a message and just talked a little bit further about drugs, but we definitely always had that like um, vibe between us where we consider human consciousness and the duality between our spirituality and the shifting of consciousness that like drugs can give us. So that's why on our episode on Enlightenment, we, we went over drugs because um, it was something that we've... I think we personally are, are, are very interested in, while at the same time we're not blindly making all of the damage just to belittle all of the negative effects from it. This is deeply concerning. Or prevention is always better than cure. Just going to back onto Portugal there, just one more result from that was drug-related infections, including STDs and overdoses, have been diminished significantly more than utilisation rates which specialists accept as a consequence of the administration offering treatment. Highlight this with no danger of lawful implications to addicts. So yet there's, there's also that social stigma about, hello, I'm a heroin addict, um, can you help me? All the UK has mainly is probably got more support in Scotland, as you said, but what you have is go on the UK government website or Google UK help with drugs what you're gonna have is fucking Frank pop up talk to fucking Frank Um, we've probably all seen the. it was on the adverts on the telly ages ago a couple of years back and what's Frank Frank is a fucking anonymous service that you talk down on the phone oh I'm on drugs and they're like oh what's what's making you go on drugs and you're like fucking life shit and they're like oh you're suicidal you're depressed and all of that do you need to get put in a fucking mental home you know what I'm saying so there's all of this like social stigma about talking about drugs and right there's no treatment other than if you got an issue here's a tissue you know what I'm saying just talk about it and that's not enough like it's in material conditions it's our alienation we need connection, we need love. That's what we need in order to, to cure all of this. Again, it's not just the personal, physical, mental, social, economic damages. It's, you know, STDs and overdoses and, and all of, like, infections. And this is, I mean, what we're talking about is reducing the amount of suffering in the world astronomically. 
There's very few policies that you could introduce to prevent so much suffering in fucking the world. I mean, there's very few. And the decriminalization of all the drugs is definitely one of them. You know, again, I think that, like, just because of the, the massive shift that it would have on the economy with the, you know, petty lumping being pushed down to fucking peasant or lumping, you know, it's it's just going to just gonna fuck up the economy and the capitalists aren't going to have it because I do think that many of the capitalists are involved in drugs anyway. I mean, let's just look at how drugs are produced. They're produced by landlords owning houses and then they're the ones who get the crop and then the kids get nicked. The landlord's just like, oh, fucking hell, I didn't know. Oh, I've got to fucking sort out the house and all that now. And the busy's are like, yeah, okay, mate, because they're fucking up the landlord's houses. That's how they get away with it. That's how it fucking is continually, you know, in place. I mean, I'm not being a fucking grass. Everybody knows this shit. It's basic, do you know what I'm saying? It is literally a part of life. If you're living out in, in the ghetto, that's a part of life. Lump on realism is no joke. What it's saying here is, in a nation like America, which may take the theory of criminalization somewhat far, in brackets, more than 50% of America's government de- detainees are in jail on drug charges. Mm-hmm. 50 fucking percent. Oh my God. So look, if you are out there as well, and you're saying, I'm abolish prisons, you know, you've absolutely got to be in favour of the decriminalisation of drugs also. So policymakers or individuals essentially intrigued by this point. Cases like Portugal are an awesome spot to begin. Portugal's goddamn smashing it. You know, they're doing the work. It's decriminalised. One of the lowest fucking drug rates in all of fucking Europe. That's just really that rat heaven put into place really so people can go and get drugs it's medical grade it's not mixed with a load of shit so they can take them and they don't have to root around for money to try and fucking go into fucking sex work or drugs or thieving or violent or violent crimes in order to to feed their addiction they can go and get a good thing and, and with actual support and without having to go into a fucking gang or anything to feed a fucking habit you know they're unable to sell it um, because people can just go and get it anyway you know you're not going to buy it it's important it's saving lives uh, the population is stronger for it you know switzerland has legalized heroin similar things going on heroin rates have dropped less heroin dealers california's just recently legalized magic mushrooms hasn't it We've actually got a good few listeners in California, so shout out to all the listeners out there in Cali, Cali, Cali. You know, that's pretty much all I've got in the notes there, Ryan. Yep. So we went through the history of drug use and human civilization, what the law says on drugs, the accessibility of drugs in cities, and the consequences of them because of said laws, as well as just personal examples that we've shared, who've went over um, this bourgeois morality that people may have um, if you're saying no legalised drugs then you're a simp for bourgeois morality um, you know we've went through the extreme dangers of fucking talked about people dying and shit and like it's proper self-destructive behaviours on these drugs and you know I mean I'm, I'm being extremely explicit about the damage they can cause and again we've also been extremely explicit about the suffering and the literally putting people in cages ruining their lives and turning them 
further into criminals in, like in the United States was that you do something like this and then you go and then you go around and people just call you a felon and that shit or like, that's insane like oh man he's a felon you know what I'm saying that's just insane whenever I hear, whenever I hear this shit I mean if you're a felon for like one year in your life and you're felon for the rest of your life obviously it's like you ever hear that saying where it's like I'm just going to do that anyway because people are going to accuse me of doing it I may as well fucking do it. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's basically what it is. But, you know, we all know that, like, there's a prison industrial complex in both the US and the UK, so that's also another big fucking chunk of the economy that would be damaged and make the politicians look look a mockery of if they actually legalised all this shit. Talked about the importance of bringing lumping out of gangs and, and, and they themselves like being hustled to spin drugs because they're not going to be wage slaves so we can fucking dismantle gangs, we can dismantle their ability to go into other cities or other communities and then sell, you know, drugs out the way, exploiting these areas if we're known to why we legalise drugs what actually causes addiction addiction is obviously as we've seen like the vat experiment it's the opposite of addiction is connection so alienation causes addiction i'm trying to get a connection towards a substance a state of mind anything like that drugs are really treated they're punished and then we've compared that to portugal where it's actually like treated you get support you get a medical grade quality drugs rather than a load of shit yeah, and just really want to make sure that people go away with this thought that, like, heroin doesn't cause addiction, no individual substance causes addiction because you can take heroin in hospital for the drug treatment, yet if you take heroin on the streets and that's uh, just not potent, it's, like, just nowhere near as potent as the medical-grade equipment, yet people are getting addicted onto that. Or you might have people, for example, who sniff ketamine, but if they were offered, like, ketamine pure as an injection, they'd just think, no, fuck that, do you know what I mean? They'd be, like... As I don't actually want to be like off me fucking tits, I just want a little sniff to fucking escape this moment. So if it was truly about just taking heroin or taking fucking, you know, pure substances, people would do that. But what you find is people actually want a less potent version of the drug so that they can still retain some sense of like cohesion in, in the fucking mind. It really just, just, really just goes into psychological shit. We looked at the successful examples of decriminalization of drugs in other states, such as like Portugal, Switzerland, uh, California, near the US, um, and fucking hell, apparently the UK, because the police can't be asked wasting time and resources going after, you know, weed consumers. So what do you reckon? I mean, I think we've done a good job there. Yeah, sure. Hopefully if anybody if we come up with any questions or concerns or anything that we missed out i mean we could always revisit this again in the future but for now i think that that's pretty much all of our, our arguments made probably gonna finish this episode and regret not saying something as always but what do you reckon no yeah for sure i mean this is this is a longer episode isn't it it's over two hours now do we normally go this long isn't it like normally one or something we've definitely got the point across there's no doubt Okay, so with that said, we'll love yous and leave yous. We just really want to give a huge shout out to our Patreon supporters. That would be Val, Ali, Sermig, Owu, Jordan, Helen, Harley Tempest, Sharky Xmas, Saville, Mary, 
Cage, Gemma, Slaughterround, Jessica, John Gregory, Jim, RevLeft Radio, Joe Goff, and Jake. Thank you very much for all our Patreon supporters. Love you a million. We're going to continue to use your Patreon support to fund all of our projects online. You know, we need storage space, paying for the website. The website is lumpen.co.uk. We're going to have a lot more content coming up. Check out Ryan's YouTube, the Zen Marxist. Follow us on Twitch. Find us on Twitter at lumpen underscore radio. For sure. Um, and yeah any if you've ever got any ideas for episodes you ever want to invite yourself onto the pod just send us an email at revolutionary at lumpen.co.uk yep and also everybody if you can't support us on Patreon you know how you can support us is going on to like you know iTunes podcasts Podbean give us the highest rating possible because nobody cares whether it's three stars, four stars, and like it's not going to affect whether they're going to they're going to listen to us or not. And we absolutely have to support all of our comrades in class consciousness in the class struggle. So five stars pushes us up the algorithm. What I've been doing lately is I've searched around in a lot of places. I said like revolutionary to see like how far down the list we are. If somebody searches with us, you see RevLeft Radio up near the top, obviously because they get a lot of feedback, a, a lot of support and what we need really is just more likes, more subscribes, more engagements, more five stars so that when people search revolutionary and whatever podcast app or anything it is we're actually up on that list because at the moment what you have is like revolutionary peace of mind revolutionary blah blah and it's just liberal bullshit and not revolutionary whatsoever so just in the sake of actual like (laughs) of like pushing something actually revolutionary up the algorithm please like share subscribe give us five stars on on anything you can etc really does go a long way to increasing our reach I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my goddamn life. Hopefully, Ryan, you're going to be with me doing it. Sure. Because definitely important. Shout out to everybody that's given us support recently and everybody that's tweeted to us, told us that you liked the episode. But is there anything else you want to add before we split, Ryan? Nope. Okay. Well, with that said, goodbye from me, Shibby. Goodbye from the Zen Marxist. Workers and lumpen of the world. Unite. Peace. I get to know myself every weekend and I'm weak. Hangovers feel good when I know it's the last one. Then I feel so good that I have another one. Last Friday I took acid and mushrooms I did not transcend I felt like a walking piece of shit a stupid looking jacket And I walked around town Felt like I was in Sodom There were filthy people seeking comfort for their bodies It was so obscene Floor for 
questions. I just said, I don't want to talk about it.